This morning, I invite you to open your Bible to Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Erasing the dead is just part of what we want to do. It's really all about embracing the future. And that future has a great mission to it. And it's the mission that Christ has called us to. In chapter number 5 of Luke, the Bible tells us that the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word. And he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. And fishermen had left them and washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats that belonged to Simon and was asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deeper water, let down your nets for a catch. Master Simon replied, We've worked hard all night, caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets nets began to tear. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats, boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. And they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Let me ask you a question Where were you when God called you? Where were you when he called you? Do you remember? We could have a testimony service right here, couldn't we? Where were you when God called you? Anybody remember? Raise your hand if you remember. Remember? Do you remember when he opened your eyes to the gospel? Remember when you sensed he was calling you to trust in Jesus as your Savior? Remember? You remember how you felt convicted about your sin, burdened and broken? How you wanted to repent and give your life to Christ and find forgiveness of all of your sin? Do you remember? Do you remember where you were at when God was calling you to go deeper? Deeper with Him? Deeper in a walk? Deeper obedience? What were the circumstances that were going on in your life when you committed yourself to Christ? Here in this passage of Scripture, they knew about Jesus. They were listening to Jesus. They had been in the crowd with Jesus But Jesus is calling them to go deeper, to come out of the crowd, and he's calling them to join him on mission. And so the point, the point is, when he gets into Peter's boat, he says, Peter, can I use your resources? Peter, can I use what you have to help me to teach? And so Peter says, yes, Lord, use my boat. And after Jesus finishes teaching, he says, Peter, would you pull it out a little bit deeper? And then let's see if we can't let let down our nets. 
and catch a fish. And Peter said, well, you know, uh, Lord, we fished all night. We caught nothing. We've just been cleaning these nets and got them all put away. And he said, he just looked at him, I think. And he said, but at your word, we'll do it. And he did. And what happened? The nets were filled. So much so that his little boat was sinking and he called another boat and it's filled and it's sinking. And, and, and all of a sudden, Peter goes, this is no ordinary man. And he falls to his knees and he worships him. And he says, I am in the presence of holiness and I'm a sinner. In that moment, God was calling him a test. Peter, will you obey me? Will you trust me? Even when it goes against your logic, even when it goes against all your expertise, Will you trust in me and watch what I can do? And Peter said, I'll trust you. And he was revealed to him that Jesus was no ordinary man. And James and John and Andrew, and they all said they left everything and followed him. He had upside down their world. And we're going to follow him. He said, from now on, you got a new mission in life to be fishers of men. This is the call that Christ has for all of us. Now, today's message is going to have to be a bit abbreviated and quick, so follow along with me. All Christians are called to follow Jesus. Jesus said, Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. I'll transform your life, but you must follow me. A follower of Jesus is a person who's obeying and following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and on mission with Jesus. Let me ask you a question. How is Jesus changing you? How is Jesus changing you? I could ask you to ask your neighbor, how's Jesus changing me? Do you see Jesus changing you? Does your Husband or wife or children, do they see Jesus changing you? Do your parents see Jesus changing you? You see, when you follow Jesus, your life's always being changed. Are people seeing his life in you, your transformation in your life? How is he using you? This is the question. How's he using you? Are you being used in his kingdom? What's he teaching you? What are you learning? And how is he testing you? This is what it means to follow Jesus. Secondly, following Jesus is the call to obey Christ, to obey him. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? I'll show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my word, and acts on them. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came and the rivers crashed against the house, it couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built his house on ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed and the destruction of that house was great. That's the difference between obedience and disobedience. God has called you to obey him. To obey his word, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. This is discipleship. 
It's teaching people to, to know Christ, trust Christ, obey Christ, and he changes your life. You see, God has given us his, he's given us his word to instruct us. This is not a book that it's a book of curiosity. This is not a book that's a book to be closed or hidden. This is a book of revelation of God's truth, God's word. And when you read it, God speaks into your life. He teaches you how to obey him, know him. And that's how your life is changed. But also he's given you of the Holy Spirit who works in you, changing you, changing your life, convicting you of sin, convincing you of righteousness, empowering you for ministry. This is what God has called us to. And Christ leads you to know him through obedience, obeying God. We used to sing a hymn, Trust and Obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust him and obey him. Amen. The call to follow Jesus is to live for his purpose and not my purpose. That my purpose gets aligned with his. And it's not my purpose without his purpose, but when my purpose gets in alignment with his purpose, that's the right thing. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, If any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his own cross, and follow after me. When you follow Jesus, then you align your life with his purpose, what he wants in your life. Life's not about you, not about your agenda, not about your happiness, not about your comfort, not about your convenience, not about your checkbook. It's not about you. It's about him. This is something I'm learning in my own life about being faithful and giving and and, and realizing it's not about my agenda, it's about his agenda. I don't have time to share all the illustrations that come to my mind at this moment. There's one of our pastors that we support is Brother Benny in Romania. And this week, i was been talking with him the last couple of weeks. His car has died. He doesn't have any resources to buy a car. He doesn't. Uh, have his car won't run and it's broken down. He gave away the other car that he had and to a widow, a woman whose husband had left her for another woman and she had little children and so he gave her a, a broke a car that was barely held together and then he had his car died and and so he's trying to do his ministry just walking and riding bikes and and he, he and so it's hard for him to do. And I said, well, Benny, what about, because I had invested several hundred dollars in him personally this year. And I said, what about some of that money that I'd given you? And when I was there this summer, I gave him several hundred dollars from, our men, from Christy and I. And, and, and our churches helped support him some. And, and he said, well, Tim, I, I had some of that money. And he said, but the needs of the church were so big, I didn't. I just knew that God wanted me to give all that money to our church. Is God going to take care of him? He is. And so you know what the Holy Spirit did? He said, Tim, 
you got a little bit more money. So I'm investing in a car in Romania. How's he leading you? Will you obey him? It's not my agenda, it's his. It's his. We're not promised tomorrow. Amen. I think we're all painfully aware of that today. We got today. Let's live on mission for him. Number four. Jesus calls us to a great mission adventure. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that was lost. He calls us to join him. He said, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. We quoted this verse a while ago. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. You go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, all the people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, every, observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He's with us. Your life is a mission trip. You ever been on a mission trip? You're on a mission trip, brothers and sisters. This life is your mission trip. And you're on the greatest adventure in the world to be on mission with Jesus every day in your life. They're all around us. Brokenness and hurting. They're all around us. Number five, Jesus has given us the power and the resources to carry out his mission. He said, when the Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other most part of the earth, the ends of the earth. Romans chapter 1 tells us, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. He's given us of a spirit. He's given us a mission. He's given us his word. He's given us the gospel. Let's go and be on mission. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll give us the very words that we're to speak. Love with his heart. Be on mission and watch what God will do. Amen? In this next part of this message, and I just want to take a few moments to talk about what embracing the future and this mission might look like. As I think about our church for this 2019, one of the things I want to do is see that everyone hears the gospel of Jesus Christ and if somehow that we could map out, and I'm asking some folks to help me with this, but that we could map out in a strategy our region of influence, the area in our part of this Metro East, our community, our town, and this region that we identify, and develop a strategic plan for saying we want everybody in this region to be, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that possible? Is that possible? Absolutely. To pray over every person in every street where we live, all of us scattered like missionaries, 
praying for the people on our streets, in our neighborhoods, identifying that we're praying for them, knowing them by name, and then think, thinking of ways as a church that we can love our city, love the people on our streets and in our neighborhood, and do ministry, get to know them, build relationships with them, but also equip all of us that we can have gospel conversations that will be fluent in the gospel so that we can talk about not a canned approach, but a living faith that we talk about when we engage those all around us. And then watch. I believe, here's what I know. When I'm praying for somebody down at the end of my street every day, I then become, it's much more likely I'll talk to them about the Lord. You see, when I'm talking to Jesus about someone, it makes it easier for me to talk to someone about Jesus. Amen? Amen. This is one of the way, things I want to see us do in 2019. And I want to talk about it in further detail. We're working on that, praying about that, how to do that. Secondly, Embracing the future is going to involve, I think, bringing on some new staff on our church team. And I think it's essential for us to embrace the future. There's some change that we need to make in our own staff team, in a ministry team, our pastoral team. I'm praying about it. I, I shared this a few weeks ago, and I'm just going to be transparent here for a moment. I, I, I mean, I hope the whole thing's transparent, but I, I want to be honest about something. 25 years ago, the church, when we relocated and all those things we were doing and building and exciting, and, but it wasn't just that. But the church, the church looked a lot like me. And Christy and I had four children, and those children were in high school and grade school and, 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 and they, a young family, and that's kind of what the church looked like, filled with people like me, about the same age, and kids, and lots of kids, and, and it was exciting. Today's still exciting, but the church is looking more like me, meaning the kids have graduated and grown, gotten married, and grandkids are coming along, and so the church is a little bit old. Older Now, I'm not calling you all old, but I'm just saying, just look in the mirror, you know, it's just a... Di- now, not all of us, but I think it's important for us to be a multi-generational church, not just a single generation church. And God is speaking to young adults. I became the pastor first, first pastorate. I was 21 years old. There ought to be a law against that. I was 21. And I pastored there for two years. And I pastored people, almost everybody was older than me. And, and the church flourished and grew. And, and now I'm more of the seasoned veteran. But, but I need younger pastoral people on our team that's speaking to us and to the generation behind us. To embrace the future. Our personnel team's working with me. We're praying about this. We're in very serious conversation with a man to 
consider joining our pastoral team to help us reach the next generation. Brother John's moved into a different role and responsibility, and, and, and he's embracing that, excited about that. I do think that we need to have a new student pastor that helps us to go to the future. Working with middle schoolers and high schoolers, let's embrace the future with passion on campuses, doing Bible studies at ball games, uh, building relationships, teaching the word, and discipling them. This is the future for our church. Embracing the future also means some stuff we need to do here in our building. I don't know. Look around. I think we need an update in the look in this room. What do you mean? I mean, the car. Well, we could. Uh, <clears throat> We could get the flamethrower out and really do some damage in here. But anyway, it has served us well for a long time. But I, we, we need to freshen this building up. And we can do that. Amen? Amen. I want to pull together a committee of folks from our church to look at it. What's the best way for us to attack that and refurbish it in an economical way that will help our whole church and I also want us to develop a long-range plan for our facilities and our property and how to use it best to equip and train people in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then fourth, fourth, fifth, whatever it is. I want to lead our church to relational, be intentional, listen close, in building relational discipleship in our church. And this, this means that all of our groups, Bible study groups, Sunday school groups, small groups, that we're all together and we're all intentional in all of our ministries moving toward intentionally discipling people, making disciples of Jesus Christ. And being and evaluating our effectiveness and how can we more effectively build relational environments so that biblical discipleship is taking place in the hearts and lives of people and families in our church. Amen. This, this is how we embrace the future. Amen. It's all about Jesus. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And that church is built on Jesus Christ alone. Have you put your heart, your faith, and trust in Jesus? If not today, it's an opportunity for you to do it. Would you bow your heads with me? And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me now. And then we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And deacons, if you'll go ahead and take your positions. Father in heaven, I ask right now, the Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that today, right now, in this moment, 
They might turn from sin and trust in you. They might simply just say, Dear God, I know that I've sinned, gone the wrong way in my life. I've made a mess of my life and I have no hope, but I believe that Jesus is my Savior. He's your son. They died and rose again. And I give my heart and life to you. Father, I pray that anyone who prays that prayer believes in their heart, trusts you. You, Father, you said in your word, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Others have wandered away in their faith. I pray that they would come home and recommit themselves to be followers of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. As you take the Lord's Supper, it's your response today, saying yes to him, yes to all that he did for you. He died for you, and he shed his blood for you. So I'm going to ask us to come now. Ushers will help you. We'll release row by row and just come by one of the tables, pick up both of the elements, and then I'll lead us in taking them together in, one, in just a moment.